ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Wipols, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report. And Mary Lee Bliss, Wipols' chief content officer, is here to unpack everything you need to know about young consumers and their love of big box stores. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. One of the things I love about our monthly conversations is that you share what your research can tell us about young consumers and behavioral trends. And a lot of times... This is important not only for brands that want to attract consumers, but also for employers who want to attract employees or even parents who want to understand their children and why they just quit that corporate job to start their own business. (laughs) Not speaking about anybody in particular here. We talk a lot about how causes are important and authenticity, and it's always been a bit of a conundrum for me why these same young consumers also love their big box stores. Mm. And some of the stores use their buying power to squeeze small vendors in their supply chain and, and don't necessarily garner the best headlines when it comes to employees, which is why I am so looking forward to diving into this and unpacking how all the pieces fit together. But before we do that... Can you just give us the top line about your geographic territory, number of people you survey, stuff like that? Absolutely. So Wipols surveys 13 to 39-year-olds across multiple regions, looking at their behavior, the trends that they're driving for this survey on mass merch mentality, looking at how young consumers are shopping big box, why, and how it's changed them. It's a sample of 1,450. Our margin of error is very small, and we're looking at near real-time stats on how they feel on this topic. Tell us when you started noting this behavioral trend and why you decided now was the time to dive in and take a closer look. Absolutely. We wanted to explore this because in part of our exclusive brand tracking on over 1,000 brands in North America and Western Europe, we, of course, have some of the biggest mass merchandise retailers in that tracker. And we're looking at young consumers' affinity for brands like Amazon and Walmart and Target. And then, of course, specialty stores as well. We're comparing and contrasting, looking at this data all the time. And one of the questions that we started to get was, why is Walmart so high on these mm-hmm. lists? Well, especially if you think about all of the, you know, my causes, my values, my things, and then this cohort of young consumers is meant to really say, uh-uh, not my jam, not going to shop. How does this fit together? Well, one thing that we often have to remind people is that young consumers are not making retail decisions in a bubble or based on one thing alone. Okay. Yes, they care about causes, they care about issues, and they expect big brands like Amazon, Walmart, and Target to go to bat for those issues and to support them. They'll call them out if they do it wrong. Target had a you know rainbow washing line last year and was ripped to shreds on social media for it. Mm. Walmart just had Juneteenth products that were not well received online. They have apologized, taken them off shelves. They are paying attention to how these brands support the causes Mm -hmm. they care about. At the same time, they are people who grew up 
in the shadow of the Great Recession with these as the most accessible retail experiences that they had access to. And that has reshaped how they buy, how they view brands and their stand for price, their standards for what's cool. And again, they're not making these decisions in a bubble. They're thinking about price just as much as they are about causes, sometimes more because they are not as financially stabilized as older generations yet. Which products are young consumers likely to purchase from big box store and which are they likely to purchase directly from a vendor where it's either a a splurge, the item or the experience of purchasing it in store is the whole experience is a splurge or is it purely price? I think a lot of what they're deciding is based on price, a lot of it. And ignoring some of the the negative impacts in favor of their budget and their wallet is something that they're doing across many kinds of retailers. Think about Shein and, you know, there's questions around why Gen Z is embracing not just fast fashion, but super fast fashion, fast fashion on steroids Mm -hmm. when they are have anxiety about climate and they have anxiety about eco issues. And the answer is they can afford these clothes. And the other part of it is this mentality that if big brands don't change, things can't change. If Bezos is taking a private flight, not to name names, that's nine minutes long and undoes all of the recycling that they've done their entire lives, you know, how much power do they really have? The world that they have grown up in, in terms of financial stability is so different from what older millennials, Xers and boomers grew up with. It has reshaped who they are as consumers. They grew up with the Great Recession as the reality, they have now gone through a, another major financial crisis in COVID, you know, not quite a recession, not quite not. And now looming again, another financial crisis potentially on the horizon. I would say that Xers grew up with stagflation of the 70s and graduated from college into a recession post Reagan recession. Sure. Oftentimes we talk about Gen X and Gen Z having, there's this parallelism going there. Would you say that this generation is, has financial anxiety? I know they're an anxious generation, but is financial anxiety a big chunk of that? I think it is a part of it. Absolutely. Especially millennials having so much debt and Gen Z watching that and what that Uh, means for the generation above them. There's a lot of um, fear of debt, which has landed them in some other traps. The idea that they could avoid credit debt has actually landed them in a different kind of debt. But I think absolutely there's financial there's financial anxiety for, for both of the generations in slightly different ways, but they've been dealing with similar economic hardships, but just at different phases of their lives. So they're driven by price. Price is pretty important, but luxury still is a thing. And I'm wondering if we sort of want to unpack luxury a little bit, because I know... Basics, underwear, they're a staple for department stores. It's the underwear that makes it possible to have your bridge wear. Even, you know, the bridge wear may inform the brand profile, but it's a loss leader. So is it the category like underwear, it's my basic, or is it any item they don't usually buy and it can be in any category? Anything can be a luxury. What is luxury? 
So luxury has been absolutely, we have said redefined. And in this research, we're saying recalibrated for these generations based on, honestly, the accessibility of much cheaper items. (laughs) All of a sudden, your window for what feels expensive is very different because you can buy a top for $2 or $5 or all of a sudden... What we found in this research is the majority of young consumers feel that clothing priced above $40 is expensive. We're talking about any kind of clothing. You're not even talking like Prada. You're talking no. the gap. I mean, this exactly. is- Exactly. Is... So all of a sudden, specialty stores, the gap, Nike, Victoria's Secret, these start to appear like luxury splurges. So it's a real recalibration of what luxury is. And one really interesting stat that came out of this research is that over half of young people say luxury is any recognizable brand item versus any any. any versus those who say luxury is a historically high end brand brand named item. When we ask them what luxury brands they most want to own, and we ask that as an open end, Mm. The top three responses are Gucci, Louis Vuitton, and Nike. Nike. That is fascinating because Gucci and Louis Vuitton, fine. Sure. Luxury, luxury. So all of a sudden, specialty stores that have a recognizable brand name of any kind are recalibrated into a luxury because they're so used to shopping at no name, no brand name, no names, right? Oh, interesting. The clothing you're buying on Amazon, there is no brand. The clothing you're buying at Walmart, virtually no brand. You don't know their in-house names. They're brandless. Right. And so it changes things. There are two sides to that then. If we think about it, we think if you are at the big box store, you shouldn't try to create a brand brand because once you do, or should you, because then you can shift your prices maybe up an internal house brand, you niche it up. And if you're at the gap, should you start leaning into the messaging of treat yourself? Absolutely. You should be leaning into the treat yourself messaging. 1000%. I think in terms of if you are a big box, what kind of brands can you have? We've seen it done really well in a few ways. You know, obviously Target has a long history of partnering with high-end designers and making those affordable and accessible. And that's one of the big appeals of capsule collections to young consumers. Mm. Um, And it's also helped to blur the lines of what they define as luxury, right? If you can buy a a brand name high-end label at target what does that mean well, so also, they've grown aren't up those with that partnerships aren't they limited run as well yes, so there's a, sca- there's a scarce there's a scarcity mm-hmm. there which also mm-hmm. motivates purchasing absolutely and then also i would say there there's been really smart moves done by again let's talk about walmart in having recognizable brands come underneath their parent brand champion right champion oh. is a, a brand that you can get at walmart champion is a brand that young consumers have high affinity for and oh. they have done a great job of you know keeping that brand integrity underneath the walmart roof but when you think about those basics like you were saying the t-shirts or underwear that you're buying at walmart you're not looking at the label you don't know what they, what brand name they are. And so your idea of what is luxury, what is expensive, what is a splurge, that all changes when you have grown up with so much access to cheap goods that don't have a brand name at all. 
how important is quality? Yeah, quality is important. And this is going to sound crazy to older generations, but young consumers believe that the products that they're buying at Walmart and Target and other mass merch are quality products. When we look at our data and we ask for those who name Target, Amazon, um, and Walmart as favorite brands, the reasons mm-hmm. that they give us include that they're quality. And when we look at comparing across many different retailers, value versus quality, we see that Target, Walmart, and Amazon, they land in an area where they're both above average good value and above average good quality. And this is based on brand scoring from Ypulse's youth brand tracker. When we're, so you have you a lot know, of historic data, data there, right? Yeah. I mean, you go back years. Has that been a trend? Have they upticked? What this is This has been consistent, really consistent. Wow. This is something that's been happening for a long time with young consumers. It's just that I think it's so different for previous generations and brands who have been around well, a long time. Well, it, it's interesting because I think about department stores, which have been struggling, right? Mm-hmm. And I think about as a child, if you shopped at Sears versus shopping at Macy's, how you felt about mm-hmm. the nature of the purchase. If you're an oldster, yes, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, <laughs> but within the Target, Amazon, Walmart, is there a hierarchy? I would mentally think I, I've a line. I have a line in my head how I think they stack out sure. in terms of value and quality. Is there a differential in value or quality with that? They're, you know, they're pretty close. And I think what is also interesting is kind of like the cool factor, right? I think that some mm-hmm. people, uh, Gen Xers, older millennials, boomers have an idea that Target is cooler, right? right. Let's just say, say it. Remember there was entire tumblers devoted to like the people of Walmart and how it was not as, as classy, right. <laughs> potentially. Right. But what we when we look at the data and we look at how young consumers feel, you know, Walmart is a favorite. It's their favorite place to buy clothing. You know, so it's what real affinity. Kmart? Why did Kmart not, not nail it? Kmart struggled. Yeah, Why did JCPenney fail? I mean, I think the the size and breadth of these retailers is, is one oh, reason, right? Okay, the the okay. number of the amount of products that they're selling, like Walmart and Target and Amazon, you can buy everything. And that is one of the appeals that mm-hmm. they can they can find anything that they want there. So when we look at why they shop at mass merch retailers or big box stores, which are by far the top places that they are shopping. Mm-hmm. The top reason is they're affordable, you know, absolutely. Pretty closely under, they can buy anything they need there. And then they can find surprisingly good products there for cheap. That's fascinating. And again, if I think about not a department store, but a mall, and malls have also been struggling mm-hmm. and malls group different shops together. I suppose it's really, I walk in the Target, I walk in the Walmart and I can get Doritos and I can get an outfit and Mm -hmm. I can get some makeup and I can get some sunglasses and I can get some costume jewelry. I can get it all. And I can get school supplies. Yeah. You can get everything and you can find surprising 
things, bargains, right? Bargains and surprisingly cool things for this generation. So one of the things we talk about is how they're retail treasure hunters. Again, when you've grown up shopping in an ocean of products, all of a sudden finding those buried gems, that's part of the allure. And there are entire hashtags with billions of views on TikTok and elsewhere, founded on Amazon, founded at Walmart, that a oh. third of young consumers say that they have bought something because of. And huh. this treasure hunting mentality is baked into them. Well, I wonder if that's something that they can even lean into. It's you know? more leaning into the content that's being created around this, right? Like, oh, okay. You know, book talk is a great example. Book talk has helped to, you know, really create a little bit of a boom for the publishing industry. And you see brands like Barnes and Noble having entire displays that are book talk displays. You know, these are the books that are trending on book talk. Amazon has section trending on social media. It's basically the founded on Amazon section of this, of the site. Oh, wow. Wow. So I think there's there's that opportunity that some of them are really leaning into and is really smart. But I do think it's kind of that word of mouth that really drives it, not necessarily the brand telling you what's cool. It's that your peers are telling you word of mouth is so huge for these generations. I think another big thing that retailers should be aware of is that 72% of young people say it doesn't matter where they buy something, they can make any product look cool. Well, so there's this a is... lot of internal confidence about, you know, what they're buying and that it's about them and their personalities, not where something came from. Well, I was thinking last month we talked about main character energy. <laughs> and if you're the main character, how come you're getting the same things as everybody else? Because that yeah. the other thing is these retailers work on a scale business sure. model. It's sold at scale. They know it's at scale, but they still can make it unique. Drill into that a little bit. 77% of young people agree a product is still unique, even if many others have it. It just depends on how it's styled. Oh. And 74% agree a product doesn't make me unique. I make the product unique. So it really dovetails with main character energy, right? Like right. I'm the okay. one who's making this special. Because I am wearing it a certain way because I'm styling it with, you know, with a certain other thing because my personality is making it different. So even if everybody else owns the same product, they're not going to wear it, wear it the same way I did. We've talked a lot about partnering with influencers. Are there influential stylists who sort of are popping because of this kind of thing? Or is it just everybody's doing it? Absolutely. There are some who have more followers than others. We've talked about how nano and micro influencers is so much a part of young consumers, social media um, consumption, and also what's influencing them. Mm. And so I think it really is about it's everywhere <laughs> right? Um, and everyone, as opposed to just like a select few um, who are pushing it. But yes, of course, there are some who, who have more followers than others and are, are kind of showing this off. So note to these big box stores, if you're partnering, do this broad micro influencer stuff and it will actually generate the, the volume there scalable and interesting people yeah. will respond. Let's say I'm a brand and I'm listening to this and I'm not a big box store. I'm a department store or I'm a brand that has my own store. What can I learn about the young consumer behavior that I can bring to my marketing? How do I leverage these insights? 
There's a few things. Price not determining coolness can really apply to many brands, right? Not mm-hmm. just big box brands that the majority of young people feel that anything can be cool regardless of the price. That's applicable to many and that they will shop anywhere that they think they can find good products, whether or not a store is considered cool. That was something else that that popped. Although they do think that shopping at big box stores is cool because social media supports that because they are cool and they shop there. I think another thing that brands can take out of this is you should be aware of how your brand is viewed in this kind of new era of recalibrated luxury. Um, You know, whether you lean into that or try to change it, you should at least be aware if your brand is all of a sudden seen as a luxury item versus a, a basic the way that maybe you might have been in the past. You use the word good in terms of good products. Is Are good and luxury the same or is good quality? Is good both quality and luxury? Mm-hmm. They don't need to be at the same time. What? Let's just Yeah. Breaking down kind of what luxury means to these generations and what good means. Mm, Good means quality, but remember their standard of quality is different because they think that quality is, can be something that they find at Walmart or target. And I think good means unique because they're looking for things that are, are special for sure, but they also believe that they can make things unique. So there's a lot of blurriness here. Right. And I think just like so many things, it's people don't want to hear. It's not simple, but that is the answer. (laughs) I, I, we do have data that really kind of digs into what does luxury mean? How do they define a luxury product? And that idea that over half say it's any recognizable brand item is, you know, one thing that we found, but another is that 57% say that a luxury item or product is something that is expensive for most people. And that's a pretty broad definition of luxury when we're thinking about, you know, that $40 is kind of their window of of what an expensive item is. So you had mentioned Champion, the high affinity brand was able to keep its own identity despite being in a big box environment. Is it considered luxury within that environment or is it not? That's a great question. I think it's considered a quality product. Again, okay. you know, okay. we see like quality can exist at these big box stores and, and right. mass merch. Okay. I think it's considered a quality product, but I wouldn't think that they would see it as luxury. Because Okay. All right. Well, that's a good clarification then because almost luxury is outside of this, this attainable environment. The specialized specialized is luxury. Luxury is a very broad window. Yes. Luxury is broadened for sure. That's, that's a big takeaway, right? It's not narrowly defined as those high end, you know, historical houses. It's, it's much more broad for this generation than that. I wonder, last thing before we wrap, if you're one of these very high-end luxury houses and you're like, hey, man, Nike, you are not the same as me. I am Hermes and you are Nike and we are not the same. Do you think we will start to see emerge high-end luxury or different? Like what, is there variation in the mind of this consumer or no, once it's out of reach, it's out of reach? I think- of course, within each generation, there's different capabilities and different household incomes. And so the definitions are going to vary slightly across all these different generations. But what we see within actually those high-end brands is a trend of 
trying to make their products more accessible and democratized in different ways. So, you know, even thinking about plays in the metaverse for Balenciaga and Gucci just opening a Gucci town in Roblox, Mm. you know, Gen Z can't afford most of them. Gucci, but they can afford potentially a virtual Gucci product. And then all of a sudden it's a different kind of accessibility. Now here's the question. Will this continue to blur the lines around what is considered luxury and not probably because right, right. (laughs) Because all of a sudden now luxury brands are more accessible and that changes things again. Right. Right. So interesting. Thank you so much for sharing today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend, Rod Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.